everybody, and welcome back to Butter With That, a movies podcast where some friends from Philadelphia virtually come together to talk about all things movie, television, entertainment, things we like. Uh, and welcome to our winter holiday season catch-up episode. Uh, how's everybody doing? It's been a while since we've recorded one of these. End of 2020 has been uh, kind of just like a sinkhole, I think, emotionally, physically, mentally, so... <laughs> probably you, explains why we haven't recorded it in a while <laughs> it feels like a whirlpool mm-hmm. that has just been like yeah. deeper and deeper like there's no bottom to 2020 yeah I had a really lovely conversation with a woman at the post office today and I was just like trying to see how they're doing and she was like very nice and optimistic but it was like one of those things where she's like most people are great but then other people <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure fair <laughs> I really want that on a t-shirt or like embroidered on a pillow, like a throw pillow. Mm-hmm. Some yeah. people. Well, some most people. people are good. Some people. Ellipses. <laughs> <laughs> so today I thought we would just kind of share, kind of go around the Zoom screen and just kind of talk about some stuff that we've been watching over the past couple months. Uh, maybe some things we're looking forward to in 2021. Maybe theaters will be reopened oh, at some point so. next year. Um, I mean, I really want to see Kong versus Godzilla on the big screen. So, like, if they could just vaccinate me before I walk into the movie, I would like really appreciate that. <laughs> you said Kong versus Godzilla. I thought you said Converse Godzilla. <laughs> I was like, what is that? <laughs> I don't know, but, but I do want a pair of God, Con- Converse with Godzillas on them now. I think that would be a really cool look. Would the movie be about Godzilla wearing a pair of Converse or like Converse with Godzilla on them? I don't know, but Godzilla would look cute in shoes, I think. It'd probably have to be like an Air Bud, but with Godzilla situation. Yeah. Um, Converse are like his uh, kryptonite. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> knows like that. that Converse helps stomp out all cities easier. Mm. Mm-hmm. I feel like they would be very restricting shoes on his like weird like lizardy feet. Yeah, they're very <laughs> narrow. Yeah. <laughs> Is he a socks or no socks kind of guy? Ooh. I feel like no socks. Yeah, I'm feeling no socks too. Yeah. Gotta let those scales breathe. I feel like he would just tear right through socks and would get like really frustrated. Yeah, I feel like his feet are probably like sweaty enough that he just like can't yes. deal. He's definitely sweaty. <laughs> I mean, he's like burning down whole cities and shit, you know? Yeah. He comes from the center of the earth. He does. Yeah. Um, Tori, I'm glad you brought up Kong versus Godzilla because that's sort of been like the biggest piece of news that as a oh. podcast we haven't talked about is that Warner Brothers announced that for 2021, everything is going to be launching on HBO Max and in theater simultaneously. Um, yeah, it's weird. Which is pretty crazy. Like, I feel like as a kid, you'd be like, man, I don't want to wait to see that movie. I want to see it now. Now, like that, at least for Warner Brothers movies, could be the reality. I don't, I feel like that's a good idea. Like, trying to imagine what we life is going to be like post-COVID is so hard because I don't know when post-COVID is going to be. And so I think that there has to be some kind of new culture that arises. And if it's this, then, you know, it's kind of so be it. I think I'm at the point now, and I, I've probably said this before, where, I, like, I love the movie theater and I love going to a movie, but now I'm just, uh, like, terrified and afraid. Before it was bed bugs, now it's bed bugs and this. Mm-hmm. Theaters were trying to do that thing where you could like rent out a whole like theater though, which I would be very into like for the rest of my life. Like I just want to rent out theaters with people I know because I don't think I ever really want to be around strangers again after this. (laughs) Friend of mine said that her cousin and her family of like 10 did it, rented the movie theater. Mm -hmm. uh, And it was, they said said it was great or like reportedly a good deal. <laughs> Sounds wonderful. Well, if it's like what, something like AMC was charged like a hundred bucks, if you get like 10, 15 people together. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. But yeah it's, it's a weird decision because it feels like a little bit of a non-decision where they're like not really taking a stance by doing this because it's like if they say everything is 
going to streaming and then it's like they're trying to say like cool theaters shouldn't be open right now like it's unsafe and then if it's the other way then they're being like no go to the theaters like we don't care and so now by doing both it's like oh we're not like really making a stand I guess with this but I don't know it it just feels strange to me and you know AT&T is calling the shots because they own Warner Brothers and HBO yeah. so it's like AT&T is not doing this for the consumer who doesn't want to go to the theater they're doing it to boost their struggling streaming service also though like i hearing that uh black widow finally has another release date and disney hasn't said if it's going to be like on disney plus or in the movie theater it's another one of those things where i'm like if you're gonna have a concrete date it can't be in person like it just can't be because we don't know it stop pushing things like stop making these deadlines that eventually have to be pushed back and pushed back and pushed back just make a decision yeah mm-hmm. well i mean tenant clearly saved movie theaters right it made so much money <laughs> so well. oh my god Tenet. i still need to I'll, I'll watch that one day i assume they'll go on hbo max at one point man I, I just listened to someone explain that movie and it made me even angrier about that movie. So I've heard it's better upon rewatches, but At what cost? Man, it made me feel really dumb when I was watching it. <laughs> I mean, do we need Tenant to be good? Like, can it just like get flushed down the toilet or something? <laughs> <laughs> I guess. <laughs> in theory okay. I know I had mentioned I know I had mentioned last time we chatted that I saw Mank and like mm. Tori to Tennant Mank made me feel stupid and I'm mm. like do we even need this I don't know Ooh, I, I'm looking forward to talking about that one then okay did you watch it <laughs> I did yeah I'll have some thoughts on that later I really love Fincher so I want to watch <laughs> Mank but I also like I don't know. I just don't care that much, I guess, about the source material. I don't know. I didn't do my research. So yeah. So maybe that's on me. You know, I'll own up to that. But uh, okay, Dave, if you want to do a deep dive a little later, we can, <laughs> <laughs> we can do it. <laughs> well, if we want, I think we can just jump straight into what we've been watching. Christine, do you want to like kick us off with Mank and tell us a little bit about it? Listeners, a little bit about it? Uh, sure. Uh, so yeah, I watched Mank like last week, uh, and it's a, basically about the screenwriter who did Citizen Kane, Herbert Mankiewicz, and he, it just, it basically, it's about the context around which he wrote Citizen Kane and the sort of like controversial or, or the, not the controversy over whether it was solely Mankiewicz who wrote the screenplay or Orson Welles had a part in writing it. And according to Fincher's interpretation, it was solely Mankiewicz and Orson Welles tried to take credit for the screenplay. They actually ended up sharing the screenplay Oscar when Citizen Kane won it. And then there was still controversy and they never worked together again. So it's a little bit of backstory there. But the way Fincher directed it and, and filmed it. It was also, he used the screenplay his father had written, um, Jack Fincher. So there was sort of like a personal connection to doing this project, but it was filmed a lot in the style of Orson, of, of Citizen Kane. It's black and white, he lies at shadows and space in a really interesting way. And from what I understand, the narrative itself, which is very chopped up, goes forward and back in time is much in the style of Mankiewicz himself, who really liked this sort of, says my connection is unstable. You're better now. You're good now. You're good. Um, My internet's bad. Basically what I liked, it was a stylish, um, I really loved, um, uh, what's her face? Amanda Siegfried. uh, Amanda Siegfried, I I really liked her. Um, and it was like a, what was it like? Christine, what was it like? <laughs> but I didn't we'll have any context. Out oh. Oh. I'm out. Dave, take over, take over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I really loved it. Um, I was really bowled over. But, <laughs> um, I, um, 
I do know a bit about the uh, the background and like uh, production of Citizen Kane. So for me, it was really interesting in that sense. Um, I wrote a short review uh, that I guess I'll read some of, uh, which is uh, kind of a recommendation. Fincher's uh, latest directorial effort, building upon a screenplay written by his late father, doesn't simply harken back to a bygone Hollywood era, but rather transports us there. Um, the directorial attention to detail, sly homage, and uh, expert production design perfectly recapture the feel of classic cinema while moving modern black and white filmmaking forward. Um, and the senior Fincher's screenplay further expands the already towering lore surrounding Citizen Kane from thoughtful and interesting angles with dialogue that rings true to the era without veering into parody. So all in all, uh, I thought it was a well-oiled uh, machine of a motion picture and uh, a really elegant merger of classic technique and modern movie magic. So I thought it was definitely one of the best movies uh, that I saw of the year. Um, definitely, definitely, maybe, you know, maybe not for everybody. Uh, if you're, if you have some feeling, some negative feelings about Citizen Kane, probably good to steer clear. Um, but uh, if you can at the very least appreciate the the technical aspects and the achievements of Citizen Kane, then this movie is a, a really great kind of companion piece, I think. I, I think that's a really thoughtful summation of the movie. And a lot of those points I definitely agree with. Like the, the utilization of black and white, it was really wonderful to watch the scenes in, um, the publisher, what's the publisher's name? The big media, what the, the, the big mansion scenes at the big dinner uh, parties, those were, that was really oh um, well shot. Um, William Randolph yeah. Hearst? Hearst, yeah. Hearst, Hearst, yes. Those were beautiful. That, uh, Dave, that one shot where Mayer, the, the, uh, the big produ producer uh, who's, it's like, Mankiewicz, maybe his brother on the other side and the producer in the middle and he's like fast talking down the hallway and it's like a one shot and then he goes out onto the stage to tell all the people in company that they're about to get that they're about to get a pay cut is <laughs> <laughs> how that is how that winds up yeah yeah that seems really great i wonder if this will be fincher like because this is this on Myrini's Black Bottom are probably the two biggest Netflix movies for awards consideration. So I wonder if maybe this will be Fincher's first win for Best Director. It feels like a flashy kind of thing that the Academy would really like. It doesn't feel above being kind of an Oscar bait movie, but the technical aspects of it, I think, deserve that. So, so those are my thoughts on Mank. I guess I liked it. <laughs> Did you did you love Gary Oldman's performance? Like, did it sweep you away? No, he's he's fine. He's fine. I think he's surrounded by a character. Well, not character actors who outshine him necessarily, like as far as careers. But in this movie, I think he's um, he's sort of a little bit more appropriately reserved, so the other performances and other characters can be a little bit more heightened. Because I mean, he can be pretty batty at times in several films, but like, yeah, he plays it pretty straight. And I, I didn't think it was underwhelming. I thought it was like functionally reserved, but definitely reserved. Did you see Bill Nye, the science guy? Mm -hmm. As uh, John As Steinbeck, that was Sinclair? great. Or, that's right, Sinclair. <laughs> yeah, that part's that was, great. That was a great little Easter egg. Um, when you, oh, go ahead, Sam. Um, this is really gonna sidetrack everything, but um, have you ever done research about Bill Nye, his life? It is the wildest ride. Anybody who's listening, please just do it and then let me know what you think about it. It is absolute batshit crazy. Just when you think it can't get any crazier, it does. Weird. He was on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> he was. Christine, that, that doesn't even begin That's to bring like the surface. <laughs> wow. Sorry, Connor. Go ahead. No, I was just about to say, Sam, it looks like you have something to say about Bill Nye, and then, then you did. I did, yeah. <laughs> um, his mother was a code breaker in World War II. Ooh. Mm -hmm. And I think his father was obsessed with sundials, and he has, like, all these patents. Just, just do yourself a favor and look it up. <laughs> what a power couple. <laughs> yeah, sundials, code breakers, goodness. Yeah. It's everything you need, really. Yeah. 
Well, he was looking pretty fine in his one little scene. It wasn't even a scene. It was like in the distance. There's Bill Nye, the science guy. I mean, I've like had a crush on him since I was a kid. So like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but just saying like Bill Nye is fine in a sentence, right? There's something that like my whole body just rejected, but it's okay. You don't have a crush on Bill Nye the Science Guy? I know, I don't think so. <laughs> cool, that was Mank. Anybody uh, want to go next to kind of share cool thing that they watched? Um, I suppose in similar fashion, Christine, um, another overlap as I seen First Cow. I watched it last night. Don't tell me. Uh, I liked it. I liked it okay. I, I didn't like it as much as Meek's Cutoff, if I'm being honest. Um, oh. Hot <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have a little, I, this one's a little shorter. I have a micro review for this as well, which is that Reichard returns uh, to the mythic Western frontier with a new tale told in a familiar tone. Reichard's signature methodical direction and editing leave me feeling the film's length a little bit at times, further slowing what amounts to um, a quiet hem of friendship. Um, However, the film's performances and cinematography maintain an understated intimacy that gives First Cow uh, a real lived in and appropriate um, slice of pioneer life kind of vibe. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I was, um, I think my expectations were a little bit high um, just because it had been so well received and well regarded, but um, yeah, I definitely, I enjoyed it. How good looking well, was that cow? Very good looking. It's yeah. a, it a handsome a cow the top tier cow yeah <laughs> so you thought it dragged more than meeks cut off uh it definitely didn't <laughs> as far as as far as the narrative no um <laughs> this is more going on in this movie than there is in meeks cut off but i think that at the pace of meeks cut off suits the absence well quote unquote absence of like a story less more than it does here where it feels like the pace is maybe detracting a little from the story i don't know yeah i i could see that i i i i would argue that with a with all of her narratives that her point is not like drama it's like let's sit with these characters oh Am I? You were good. No, because you just walked off, dude. So That's passionate good. about just it. Like, just like, mm. like I can't do this. Universe just doesn't want my opinion. I, I understand that. <laughs> yeah. For a I later mean, date, I'll fully do a deconstruction of First Cow and why I think it's her best work yet. Okay, I'd be it, interested in that. Sam, I desperately want to hear your thoughts on First Cow. <laughs> I know, I'm like uh, waiting at the edge of my seat here. <laughs> I'm just doing like a live reaction. <laughs> hmm. Could do a First Cow commentary. Yes. Yeah. Do it on like Instagram Live. Be like, yeah, you, <laughs> you want to see some bullshit? <laughs> just kidding. And that movie's probably great. <laughs> wow cool anybody want to share next um we're, I, are people feeling specifically 2020 stuff or are we veering off as well i got plans to veer off let's veer let's okay. veer because i've got a couple i was gonna focus now. mostly on 2020 but then like there has just been such good stuff i've seen like streaming um and last this week last week i don't know time means nothing um, I just posted my like favorite discoveries of the year, like on Cinema 76. They're just like stuff that I've been catching up with, um, including things like, um, which we talked about a couple times, Dr. Sleep, which I just bought on Blu-ray for $4.99. I'm very excited about that. Um, so yeah, one of the things we've been delving into a lot are the Criterion collections, because um, Criterion's just had like really awesome ones. So um, they have their 70s horror collection that we watch like most of the movies in, uh, but right now they also have one called Queer Sighted, and it's a lot of these like queer coded films. Um, so we watched 
um, the original haunting, um, which is based on mm. the haunting of Hill House, which is really excellent. Um, but we just watched a movie called The Seventh Victim, which I had never heard of. And it seems to be some of the inspiration for um, Eyes Wide Shut. So it's this about this woman that is looking for her sister who has disappeared. And she um, goes to New York to find her and discovers that her sister has like somehow been involved with this like coven of devil worshipers living in Greenwich Village. Um, it's like 70 minutes long. It's like a very quick watch, uh, which is also why I love older movies sometimes. But um, the acting is excellent. If you've ever seen Cat People, um, the guy that plays the psychiatrist in this movie is essentially the same like character as the psychiatrist in Cat People, which is really funny because um, they're both from that same uh, director. Um, but yeah, really excellent performances. There's this guy that plays a poet who's like really amazing. And the main girl, the sister, is getting pushed around by all of these older men telling her like what to do and how she should handle this situation with her missing sister. And she keeps just like telling them to fuck off essentially and being like, like, stop treating me like I'm a child. Like I'll, I'll, I know what I need to do in this situation, which is also really awesome um, for the time. Um, but yeah, it's really dark. It gets into like depression and like mental health issues in a way I like didn't really expect for a movie of that time period. Um, so definitely recommend that was like such a solid watch. What was the name of that? Uh, the Seventh Victim. Yeah, very cool and creepy. Nice. Well, I, I can go next side. Ooh, is that echoing me? Is that better? Sure. Okay. <laughs> um, so I, this one's kind of a twofer. I went back to two movies that I've never saw before. Uh, Dave, you've been hounding me on this one for a, a long time. And that one is uh, The Matrix. Whoa. Yes. A couple weeks ago. And then I also watched Home Alone for the first time two weeks ago. So two 90s classics that I knocked off my list in the past couple weeks. Um, the Matrix wow. was super surprising and how good it is and how kind of simple because I know like the sequels get super complicated, convoluted, not very good. So I thought the first one might be some of that. Um, but it's very much just Neo, Keanu Reeves, just doing his thing, taking out robots in the computer. And um, what was that Hugo Weaving, right, is the bad guy? Is, yeah. Is so good, those fight scenes. It's great. Oh, 99 that came out. Mm -hmm. like, the fight scenes still feel so modern today like none of really in a movie all about technology the matrix really doesn't feel dated in any way except for the costumes <laughs> what oh, are you talking about <laughs> that's what was so surprising to me everyone looks so good still <laughs> like all of those costumes look yeah. amazing why does Lawrence Fishburne have such tiny sunglasses? Um, tiny sunglasses are back. Yeah, don't don't talk shit on Lauren Fishburne's costumes. Okay, <laughs> he can wear whatever the fuck he wants. <laughs> oh, I know the leather jackets and leather shirts and leather tops did not do much for me, but I thought I I love it. Carrie Ann Moss looks um, beautiful and amazing and mm -hmm. so badass. Mm. And then I also I love. Oh, sorry, Connor. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, I love like, it's another movie where like Keanu, his love interest is someone that looks almost identical to him, which I find really hilarious. Cause I also just watched Point Break where it's like, oh my God, you're like essentially like in love with the female version of yourself. And I find it so fascinating. <laughs> it's funny, as you're saying that, yeah, my mind was immediately just like, oh yeah, Carrie Ann Moss does look a lot like, um, uh -huh. oh, what's her name? Shoot. But yeah, it looks a lot like, looks a lot like her. But there's also, I mean, that makes sense for like the directors and stuff. Like there's so much androgyny like within those movies and stuff, which is really interesting. Um, been a while since I've seen it though. I would love to rewatch uh, The Main Directors. Such a good rewatch. Yeah. All of the sequences look so good. And it like, mm -hmm. like the, like all of the interior, like running, like action sequences, the walls exploding, everyone, parkouring off of everything it doesn't look dated at all <laughs> the one thing i guess might be like the liquidy mirror where it looks a little bit like one of those like um what like capri sun commercials or whatever oh yes 
it yeah. definitely is but out, outside of that everything like it, you know if you told me that movie came out like three years ago i believe it some of this some of the i think we might have been talking about this a while ago but some of the shots to the like human hatching world like outside mm-hmm. of their ship look dated i'll give i'll give you that but that's fair most of the like interior sets and the way the action sequences are done look so so good. Do you feel like a whole person now, Connor? Like, do you feel like you're, now that you know you're, you're, you're unplugged? Yeah, <laughs> right. right. Do you either feel like a whole person now that you've seen a seminal movie, or do you feel broken inside because you now know the truth? Oh, I think I feel broken inside, but. <laughs> Well, yeah, for like, yeah. It's funny because I'm going to go eat some digital steak right after this. Oh, yeah. The flop that just comes out and the the shit that they eat, yummy. Anything is worth a digital steak, betraying everyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I thought Home Alone, another 90s classic that I just, for whatever reason, just never watched, was never on in my house. None of my friends ever watched it um, because I'm very young. Uh, I don't know. It, it was great. Joe Pesci, a standout. Um, I'm glad that uh, Macaulay Culkin has is like doing great these days. It was um, really a terrific child performance um, throughout the whole thing. And I guess I don't know. I, I didn't think the movie. I don't know. I, I was surprised at how much he focused, and how much he carried that movie. As he was probably what seven years old in that movie, eight years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought Home Alone was now for me has become like a holiday classic. I'm a little surprised you never saw it on like TV or something. It's always on. <laughs> I just missed it. I'm sorry, guys. Wow. <laughs> Watching Home Alone makes me feel like more like a whole person and not broken. So those are my two 90s throwback picks that I got. Um, I like sadly, I haven't been watching anything big and and um earth-shattering, mind-blowing. Instead, I've just been watching a lot of true crime documentaries. I think it stems from the fact I want to see people's lives who are worse than mine. I don't know, um, but that's what I'm thinking. So I just finished watching Murder on Middle Bay, which was very good. It's still an unsolved case, but um, the son of the murder victim is the one who's really figuring it all out. And you get to see just how much the... um, Madison Police, Madison, Connecticut, how much they just fucked things over. Um, So I watched that one. I watched um, the stuff about Chris Watts, that documentary. I can't remember what it's called. I think it's like a American Family maybe on Netflix. And then um, another one called Dream Killer, which this one is really fascinating. So someone was convicted of a crime he most definitely did not commit you find that out after 10 years of him being in prison and I think he went into prison at like 20 so he comes out 30 and he's like like I've never even sent a text before like this is like I feel more comfortable in prison and this is what institutionalization feels like so I've been watching stuff like that. I've also um, been watching uh, like YouTube videos videos about true crime. I don't know, just just some way of taking my mind off of the absolute hell we're going through. And um, you'll be happy to know that I have um, opened my repertoire, just a little bit of movies that I watch at night before I go to bed. Instead of just The Mummy, it's now also The Force Awakens, but it's like back and forth between those two. And I'm always like, what kind of night is it? Is it The Mummy Night? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there was some new, there was a new like true crime documentary on HBO that was about um, disassociative identity disorder, DID and serial killers. Uh, mm. Exactly what it was called, but it was really interesting. It took a lot of turns that I, we, we kind of just put it on just random, like, oh, this looks, you know, interesting. Let's put this on. And then, especially at the end, it like goes through some pretty faint, like a really, you know, famous case that like I never really thought of in that angle before. Um, let me, let me find the name of it real quick. Cause that was really good. While you're checking that out, uh, I will say as far as going back to things and uh, true crime, I've been going back to a lot of false crime with uh, the Coen films um, (laughs) because I haven't gone back to the Coen brothers in a while. Um, And man, it's just been a blast. Like uh, I saw Hail Caesar for the first time, which was okay. Um, 
it's it's all right. But um, I mean, the rest, you know, they bowled me over every time. So it was really nice to go back to those. Uh, and a, a good time of year to do it. So it's perfect for for that. Just like those cold uh, scenery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys were also talking. Oh yeah, Connor, go. I can't find it. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Um, you guys were talking about like Netflix's releases and stuff too, which I'm always like, I always wonder like how good like the Netflix original stuff is and you know, the stuff that immediately goes to streaming, but we saw a really good one the other day, um, called His House. Um, oh, I've heard that's good. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, the director is Remy Weeks. Um, it stars, uh, Sophie DeRussi, which I may be like totally ruining, uh, her name or his name. Um, and then Wunmi Masaku, who is amazing, and she's in um, uh, Lovecraft Country. So I was really excited to see her in another movie. And then it also weirdly has Matt Smith in it. Um, but it's, it's um, about this couple that are refugees from New Sudan, and they finally get their, like, first house in England, and they're trying to, like, assimilate to the English culture and everything but at the same time they're realizing that their house is haunted um which is like really terrifying but then it kind of as it goes deeper into it um it the like wife starts to believe that it's haunted by something that they brought back with them from the Sudan um so it's really fascinating and it goes into like folklore from the Sudan as well as just like the struggle of a couple who one of them is trying so hard to just like assimilate as quickly as possible and like be a part of English culture like even to the point where he's like picking out the exact same outfits that models are wearing when he goes like shopping at the store just to like look like an Englishman and then like the wife who like is in so terrified of this like new place that they're in even though like their home like they had so much trauma like from where they lived she like still has trouble like getting like letting go of any of her like culture um so it was really really fascinating and I just like I really love these stories that um I don't know these genre movies that are able to tell like the story of another culture or this like you know these very specific like mental health issues or like traumas that people are going through and like tell it like through a horror film um so very, very cool movie to check out um, if you have a chance and it is on Netflix. Um, definitely up there for like the, the good stuff I've seen this year. What a cool concept to like latch on to a haunted house kind of story. I know and some of the some of the jump scary stuff like didn't really work as well for like Garrett but like I thought a lot of it was really creepy like the some of the designs of like the the ghost or ghouly kind of characters were like really creepy. Um, and then there's some good like kind of body horror stuff in it, which I'm also a big fan of. So um, yeah, all of that was really good. But then also just like, I, I was kind of crying by the end of it because it did have just this like really emotional like impact when you like learn about the struggles these people went to to get to this other country because of how like terrible what was going on in their home was. And that just came out this year? Yeah, it came out this year. I think like maybe it came out on Netflix like a month or two ago. Yeah. Yeah, Netflix has been a little, putting me to task a little bit this year because normally I'm pretty dismissive of their original movies and programming. But um, like I'm thinking, I'm thinking of ending things was also on my list as one of the stronger movies of the year uh, upon rewatching it. So it's cool. It's not for everybody. Uh, The one note that I have at the end of my review here is it's uh, definitely not a film for everyone but a true must-see for fans of Kaufman's uh, World Askew Worldview. Yeah, I had a realization this year that I don't think I like Charlie Kaufman very much. <laughs> understandable. I was like, we, we were re-watching Adaptation, and I was like, oh man, I think I hate everyone but Meryl Streep, and that makes it really hard for me to watch this movie. But the point is, is that you hate everyone. <laughs> I know, but like... No matter how self-aware he is, there's something about that dude that like takes this woman's stories story and hijacks it to make it a story about himself is like so infuriating to me. I mean, I don't even like Meryl Streep in that movie. <laughs> oh. Yeah, she's pretty villainous in it so too. Interesting. Oh. Early in or whatever. 
I I think her character is really interesting when she's like going back and forth between like um, talking to this guy who's so passionate about orchids and then going back to her home in New York where she's hanging out with all of her like, you know, bougie New York friends who aren't really passionate about anything and like longing to talk to this dude just because he like loves like one thing in the world. Like that part really got to me, but like everything else I like don't really like that much. <laughs> But I also know that's a very unpopular, like, opinion within the film community. So I, like, I get that. Yeah, I'm a big Kaufman fan, but I can yeah. perfectly, I can totally understand anybody who says that, like, they're not on board with him. It's like, uh, all right, that's totally fair enough. Have you, have you watched it a second time, Dave? Because I know last time we talked, you said you, you know, wanted to watch it again, but it's tough to, you know, it's an intense movie. Uh, it's demanding for sure. Yeah, I've watched it again since, and it definitely uh, it, it gets a little stronger with rewatches. I think the first time is just like, even for him, who's used he typically like toes a line of pretty abstract and like um, cerebral film filmmaking and screenwriting. Um, it, it, even for him, it kind of turns you on your head the first time. So it's it was nice to go back and kind of reassess and kind of find uh, things that that shined a little more the second time around. So I, I'd recommend it if you're a fan. Otherwise, probably steer clear. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I might not love it, so I've been kind of putting it off. We, I, I Alyssa and I watched uh, with some friends something that is the opposite of probably Charlie, most opposite of Charlie Kaufman, and that is um, the trilogy called Hell House, the found footage. Oh yeah, I've seen the first one. It is. It, they're each like one star, half star movies, but there is something that is like undeniably entertaining about watching the garbage, especially the first one where it's just all these like white people who like they go from Queens because their haunted house there didn't work, so they bought this old hotel in the you know upstate New York, and then just they just all get all get fucked, all get killed, all get murdered, all you know you kind of it hits all the tropes of like a haunted house movie, a found footage movie. Um, and it's kind of interesting how as this, you know, the two and three go on, it like just kind of builds its own mythology that it doesn't really need, but there's this like talk show element in the third one. Um, and like Weird. for some reason people keep going back. So it's just, I, I don't know if I can like, like you recommend it, uh, but the first <laughs> two are on Amazon Prime and that was, that was a fun, and they're each like 90 minutes. So we just marathoned all three of them in one night. Um, it was pretty entertaining. The Hell House, what's the second one? It's like Hell House. L LLC or whatever. Yeah, Hell House LLC. And the, the second <laughs> one's called amazing. The Abaddon Hotel. And the third one is Hell House LLC 3, Lake of Fire. There was no lake or fire. So I'm not quite sure where that came from. What a name. Hmm. So if you're in a found footage kind of kick and want to watch a dumb horror movie that is and on Letterboxd, is interesting because the ratings go pretty, they're all kind of consistent from one star up to like four. So it's like clearly lots of people feel lots of different ways about the Hell House movies. Um, Garrett was reading, was listening to some podcast and they were talking about Spider-Man 3 and they were reading some guy's Letterboxd review where it's like he has rated it five stars and just is like, fuck you guys, Spider-Man 3 is amazing. It's like the funniest review of a movie and like it's it's also on his like in letterbox you have like the bar where you can put like your four favorite movies it's up on there with like i forget what was there like let's say it's like the godfather or something and there's like that with like spider-man 3 and you're just like what blows my mind um but one oh, i don't think we've talked too much about this because i think i discovered it like after we had kind of like taken a our hiatus but um this year I really found that I love um lesbian vampire movies <laughs> um so two of them we watched uh, were on the Criterion collection uh one of them is called uh Daughters of Darkness which is I it's not I think it's like an Austrian film um and like the main character the vampire is Countess Bathory and she's like going after this mm -hmm. like young woman that she wants to be her like next like vampire lover. Um, and then we watched another one that was called The Vampire Lovers, uh, which is an adaptation of the novella uh, Carmilla, which is really good. Uh, but the one that like has, it was like one of my favorites of the year is The Hunger, uh, directed by Tony Scott. 
the brother of Ridley Scott. Um, so it stars um, David Bowie and Susan Sarandon. And I forget the other woman who plays like the main vampire. Um, Catherine uh, Deneuve. Um, so it's it's crazy. Like Tony Scott, I guess like up to this point had only been directing like music videos. And the film, when it opens, they're at like a New York goth club and Bauhaus is playing. So it literally feels like a goth music video. It's incredible. And uh, yeah, I mean, everyone looks amazing. David Bowie looks amazing. Susan Sarandon, I've like never realized like what a good looking woman she was, but like hot damn, like she is very good looking in that movie. Um, yeah, it's pretty incredible you should definitely check out the hunger it's amazing and i think maybe the first tony scott film i've seen which was also interesting hmm. um another movie that you should check out if you haven't already and i already talked about this in the group chat on amazon prime you can stream maximum overdrive for free please please watch it people listening i need other people to know what i'm talking about when i talk about this movie because there are scenes in this that i cannot believe are actual movie scenes and they're incredible the whole lawnmower scene <laughs> like i cannot get over that and it's been like 30 years for me you know well, and that's and Stephen the, King at the, the height of his like cocaine addiction. So mm -hmm. it's like fucking wild. Yes. <laughs> Entire like shots of like suburbia and electronics in suburbia going haywire are classic. It's like mm -hmm. yeah, you got the trucks, you've got the truck stop or like the, the store where everyone's held up in, but then the scenes of just like neighbors getting annihilated by. <laughs> lawnmowers telephone cords <laughs> mm -hmm. it's like what if christine was on steroids that's like yeah. what that movie is it's so wild i'm so happy i finally watched it because you had recommended it for so long <laughs> and i think finally it was like available streaming somewhere and i'm like cool we can watch maximum overdrive now. <laughs> but it's like one of those movies i swear to god as a fever dream because i mentioned it to so many yeah. people and they're like what now you have no excuse. Watch it. It's also great. weird because towards the end, it's mostly like mon it's mostly like trucks. Mm -hmm. And so the then they're all goblin, like green goblin trucks. Yeah, and they're all stuck in that little like gas station like <sighs> diner while all the trucks have surrounded them. <laughs> yeah, that's nightmare fuel for real. Oh yeah, it's yeah, it's just such a weird like. I don't know. Yeah, I don't even know how to describe that movie. It's so wild. It is. <laughs> Never seen it. Well, Connor, you just gotta watch it. No excuses I now. Seen very many Stephen King movies. I, I think that that's I've realized this is like kind of a blind spot in my film knowledge. Like I haven't really seen that many. It's a lot of good ones. I like I like the film adaptations more than his writing, honestly. For the most part, yeah. there's there's some duds. I mean, uh, Langoliers is pretty bad, but I know it's not great. But I really love the like Strand miniseries from like the '90s. I used to watch that a lot. Yeah. It was always on like the Sci Fi Channel. Are they remaking the Strand? They already mm -hmm. did. I think it's oh, on CBS All Access. Yeah, I've heard like meh, but I'm I'm still kind of interested. I would see it. I watch HBO's The Outsider, which was, Ooh, I was to see that. decent. I would recommend it. I wouldn't say it's perfect, uh, but I uh, would, yeah, Cynthia Revo is great. Ben Mendelsohn, great. I love, I love them. Um, yeah. It's not perfect, but I definitely would recommend. Can I throw in uh, a couple recs? Yeah. Yeah. So I texted you guys this, but uh, for the podcast, big recommend Armando Iannucci's most or recent film, Personal History of David Copperfield. It's a gem. It's like got his same um, snappy 
writing and kinetic style and humor, but it's like, it's, it's not as dark as say, oh wait, did I just? No, you're good. Did I you're cut good. out? No, you're oh, here. Okay. You guys were so still. I was like, right <laughs> when I start. <laughs> it is, it's shot beautifully. It's kind of got a, like a Terry Gilliam uh, feel to it because it's very um, sort of fan this fantastic elements to it. <laughs> celebrities oh, no. with the david copperfield store uh, wonderful um and yeah it's a it's it's a it's a really really great movie oh okay i was like what why do i know that name it's because he did death of stalin and in the yeah. loop okay mm -hmm. wonderful. so for listeners yeah. out there we we talked about death of stalin um and this is kate technically came out in 2019 but i think it's being considered as a 2020 movie um, and, and it's, it's really, really reviews that described it as an, uh, like a hymn or ode to the creative impulse, which I think is a perfect way to describe, uh, to describe that. Movie. Oh, that's cool. Um, it's, yeah. Um, since we've My done other, death of... Uh, Oh, sorry. No, no, go for Sorry, Tori, I was go just going to say, I since we've done Death of Stalin, I think about that movie all the time. And I, because I watched it on my own for the podcast, uh, but I really want to get Garrett to watch it just because like that sense of humor like works for me so well. Um, so like, I'm I'm very excited about the David Copperfield movie and stuff too, but I really want to watch, uh, rewatch Death of Stalin. Yeah, yeah. I it's also say, on Netflix. Yeah. I would say Death of Stalin uh, is sort of, the apex of Iannucci's like dark comedy mm. writing, I would say David Copperfield is more um, light heart. I mean, Dickens stories can be extremely intense, but his take is less in focusing on the intensity of a, like, of a Dickens story and more on this sort of like vibrancy and full of life, um, sort of what it means to like be a writer and to be inspired as sort of the ebbs and flows of one's life kind of take their toll. Um, but yeah, and Dev Patel is so good. I'm so excited to like see I him. I love him. Um, a lot of, a lot of things. Yeah, I was just thinking of Death of Stalin because um, the guy who plays Andreev, uh, Patty Considine, is going to be the star of the new Game of Thrones spinoff show. Oh. Um, that was like, I don't know. That, that news dropped the other day or a while ago. And so I was just, yeah, I definitely want to rewatch that. Hmm. Can I throw yeah. in a second one? Okay, so a little background. I won't do any spoilies. Finish The Mandalorian. Hmm. But- um, So that's a shrug for listeners. Is that a shrug? <laughs> I'm not gonna spoilies. Maybe, maybe who- Connor, you're you the only one who's watched it and finished no, it? No, I've watched it. Oh, okay. Maybe we can have. I like, cried the rest of the combo. night. I really, I really, huh? I cried the rest of the night after watching that. Yeah, that ending hit me really hard. So, yeah, it really did. We, yeah, I love the show. I love the show. I would love to like know your take on, or like your thoughts on the ending. Oh. But that's a, that's enough. Sure is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm always ready to talk Star Wars. So more, what are um, we calling it? Butter? I don't know. Wookie or Star Wars? Wookie with that. That's it. Yeah, that'll be another Wookie with that episode. <laughs> so I was like, who is this man, Pedro Pascal? I need to know who is the man behind the helmet. I adore so, him. I have started watching my heart. Um, so I watched this 2018 movie with him in it called Prospect, which I would recommend for any low to medium budge sci-fi fans out there. It is directed, at, well, I can't remember the director, but um, it's basically, it was only a $4 million budget. And it is basically about this 
father and daughter team who go mining on other planets, like in some alt like alternate universe or maybe the future of humans, I'm not quite sure. But it basically is about their experience trying to mine for this particular type of substance, uh, like gem mining. But it's such a lean and effective take on world building and sci like sci-fi world building on a low budget, but it looks really cool. And Pedro Pascal plays this kind, it's kind of like film is like a sci-fi Western. It's like characters encounter other characters and you don't really know who's good and who's bad. And um, it's just the daughter is this very hardened, tough young girl who's like basically grown up in this universe. Um, and it shot, it kind of, you can tell like it's shot like in a in woods, but the way that they present the colors and and sort of this dust in the air, it really takes you out of oh this was shot in the Pacific Northwest, and it really makes you feel like you're in that planet. It's not perfect, but it's really I was really surprised by how small the budget was and how much it really was like a lean and effective and at times extremely weird weird movie, but in a kind of intriguing way. So if anyone watches it, I'd be curious to know your thoughts. And it showcases some other non-Mando performances from, from Pascal. But, oh yeah, like what a, what a dreamboat. Um, I follow him on Instagram and his Instagram name is Pascal is Punk. Um, but recently he revealed that like him and Sarah Paulson have been friends for like years and years and years, which is just like adorable. So yeah. He also like posted a picture when he was promoting Wonder Woman and he like made a necklace of like a little Wonder Woman Lego and was just like wearing it around. He seems like the most adorable human ever. I'm like low key in love with him. So he and Oscar Isaac are best buds and like they Ooh. really, it's really cute to see their kind of like little banter, but. That's almost too yeah. much for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, he's a good performer. Like Mando, okay. I was like, okay. A lot of that was like post-production voiceovers, like while his stunt doubles are like in the suit doing all the stuff. Yeah. So I was like, I need to know a little bit more about you. And Prospect I, 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 is a recommend. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I want to check that out. Um, I, I would not watch Game of Thrones for this, but he is in Game of Thrones and he has probably one of the um, rawest death scenes <laughs> in the entire series. But before know. that, he looks really good. And he's wearing that like gold robe that has like a really deep plunge v-neck. Yeah. It's a great look. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but the, oh, but the way he goes. Because you're like, oh, oh this character's the awesome. Yeah, it's the squish. It is the squish. <laughs> yeah, I haven't watched Game of Thrones, but I heard about the squish. You know, it's a funny, uh, that reminds me of a funny like Star Wars connection because George R. R. Martin, who like wrote the books, said that Oberyn Martell, who Pedro Pascal played, is basically Game of Thrones' Boba Fett. Like, he had no idea that Oberyn would take on, like, a whole life of his own in the fandom when the books came out and then with Pedro Pascal on the show. Funny. And now he's playing Mandalorian and Boba Fett. Yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. Um, if you like The Mandalorian, I watched a few of the episodes of, like, The Gallery um, that talks about, it's like the little documentary series that talks about the making of the Mandalorian and the first one's excellent because it's it's like a round table with all of the directors who've done episodes of the Mandalorian which like it's great you see a round table everyone's dressed in like dark mute colors and then Taika Waititi's sitting there and he's just wearing like a Hawaiian shirt like bright colored it's just the best um but yeah Dave Filoni like is is so great when you listen to him talk about Star Wars he like made me fall in love with just like Anakin's story which is a thing I never thought I would like realize but those uh those are really good yeah yeah I think it's interesting the uh, Mandalorian is sort of starting to save the sequels in a lot of ways for a lot of fans yeah. like if this can make better of what the last um what um rise of skywalker did and like make me appreciate and flesh out the sequel timeline more than you know dave filoni and john favreau seem to have the magic oh rise of skywalker a year ago i saw that yesterday a year ago yeah it was rough stuff 
this is like totally off topic, but what the fuck happened last year where all the big franchises that ended were absolutely terrible in the way that they ended? And I was thinking about that because Supernatural ended last month. Yeah, last month. And it was horrible. It was so bad. What happened? Because I don't think that shows and movies used to do this. Like the the ending, the last um, movie or the last episode was hot garbage. But God, that has been the case for everything lately. What it's else? Really what else comes to mind? I mean, Game of Thrones, but what else? Or so, so I'm here. Skywalker, Supernatural. Those are the big ones for me that I actually cared about. Okay. Um. I think that they are all hot garbage. Hmm. I mean, they're just trying to prepare us for the disappointment that is life. <laughs> You're right. That's true. <laughs> no, but I agree. There was there was some bad stuff, some bad endings last year for sure. I wonder if Game of Thrones is the worst one because I was listening to a podcast the other day, and they were talking about how like Game of Thrones has basically disappeared from pop culture. When that was yeah. like the dominant force in pop culture for almost a decade. It's kind of true. Now it just is totally evaporated and HBO. It'll be interesting when House of the Dragon comes out in like two or three years to see if they're able to kind of like tap back into that momentum or if it's just never going to ever. I know because I don't care at all about the new show. Like, so I huh. I think that's what happened. Like the writers just abused the fan base so much to the point where everyone was just like, I'm only finishing this so I can say I finished this. I did not finish it. I tapped out when I got really mad. Good for you, Tori. (laughs) Good for you. I was like, I'm not wasting my life on this. (laughs) You know, this does remind me too. I heard that there was, uh, and Sam, maybe you know something about this, that they uh, recently like re-edited and like, kind of like reconfigured the third godfather movie Mm -hmm. and people are saying it's pretty good yeah right i mean i guess like maybe this is tradition so like the last installment of something just absolutely it's mostly like pulling mm -hmm. for something and trying to make something out of nothing they shouldn't have done it and they're like yeah we're gonna i guess it depends too how much expectation has been heaped upon it also and, and yeah, it's it's one of those things too, where it's like, I mean, Marvel stuff, I feel like is always kind of middling anyway, even like there's some like really good stuff, but I think most of their movies are kind of meh. And then with the Avengers movies, they're just juggling too many balls. So they're like, just fucking it all up because there's so much going on. And then there was all the drama with the new Star Wars movies with the fandom just being fucking garbage. So it's like, this is, these are some of the reasons why these things don't turn out the way we want them to, so. Could we do an episode where we decide which had the worst ending for the fandoms? Yeah. Sure. Hmm. I th- Honestly, okay. I think Supernatural takes the cake. I know none of, no one here really cares, but it was the worst thing I have ever witnessed. I wish I cared. I just dropped off Supernatural like two or three seasons ago, so I'm like... It's a lot of stuff I gotta rewatch. I gotta watch to uh, prepare for that combo. <laughs> Actually, no, you don't. You don't because <laughs> no. <laughs> Great. This is how I felt as a Simpsons fan for the last like twenty five years. <laughs> um, I don't know if I told you guys this, but like speaking of like uh, infamously disappointing endings, um, one of Garrett's favorite shows is Lost. Did I tell uh-huh. you? And so we're we will be embarking on this soon. Man. So I'm, th- I'm fascinated. Wait for, <laughs> wait for that final episode. Oh, I am so fascinated because I have absolutely no idea what to expect from this show. So it's gonna <laughs> and be you won't. It's gonna be a ride. That's you, the won't. Thing. you never know is lost. Like yeah. they really they actually did themselves a favor. They set it up so that anything they write, fans will just be like, I mean, I like I okay. a polar bear in the jungle. <laughs> Uh, you know, I won't, never mind, spoil whatever. I don't know how- Are you going in blind? Like totally blind, Tori? Pretty much, I don't know, like any, I missed all of that. Like, I don't even think like I had friends that were watching it at the time it was coming out. So it's just like a thing. Like I, I missed all those conversations. The only reason I wanted to watch it when it first came out is because fucking, <laughs> um, what's his name from Lord of the Rings is in it. Um, oh, Dominic. Uh, my yeah, man. who played Mary? 
Um, because basically at that point in my life, everything was related to Lord of the Rings. It's the, also the reason I watched The Matrix because Hugo even was it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the only reason I ever wanted to watch it. But yeah, after that, I know like saying nothing. I'm, it's such a cultural phenomenon. I feel like I'll finally, I don't know, maybe gain some insight into like humanity after I watch this or something. I don't know. I like her seat. <laughs> you feel complete or just totally heartbroken, totally destroyed inside. Or just like, eh. Yeah, or just, like, <laughs> just more content. Might as well. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Any other uh, recommendations of things people have been watching in the past couple weeks? Um, I mean, my top. 10 of the year will be coming out next week. Um, so there's, there's actually, I've seen 64, 65, 2020 releases, which is pretty good. That many movies uh, came out this year? Huh? That many movies came out this year? That many movies came out this year. A lot of them were not good, <laughs> but, um, but I, I surprisingly saw an amazing amount of very good movies and like really good, like female led performances. Um, so yeah, I mean, definitely if you can find, um, Possessor Uncut, check that out. It's fucking phenomenal. It's definitely like one of my favorite films of the year. Um, as well as I, we talked about this on the phone the other day, but, um, I'm Your Woman is like excellent and that's on Amazon Prime. So definitely watch that. Uh, I'll throw in also just, I, I said it before, but you know, I'll say it again, Bill and Ted uh, faced the music. I thought was really fun. That was a really cool movie that came out this year. Um, really some, you know, I, it finds them more like in sync with the times than ever, strangely enough, you know, with like uplifting humor, gender positivity, and like a thoughtful exploration of music's transcultural history. So uh, definitely a, a really cool update for that series after 29 years. And I would recommend checking that out if you want to feel good movie. I watched um, what is now and now one of my favorite movies, uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Oh my God, mm. it's so good. French film came out last year. Um, that movie was just absolutely phenomenal, like every level. Uh, I wish I watched it sooner, it was that good. I got that on Criterion because uh, they had their 50% off sale a few months ago, weeks ago, I don't know. But I picked up that and uh, Fire Walk With Me and Rebecca and a couple other things. And I, yeah, I'm so happy I own that movie. I have never like ugly cried in a theater that much before. I was like hyperventilating, like with how much I was like weeping. And Garrett was like, are you, are you okay? And I was like, no, the page, like the page number. And I just like couldn't. Oh yeah, in the end of the long shot in the theater. Yeah. That was amazing. Fucking destroyed me, yeah. Gotta get on not watching non gar. I watched so much garbage. It's not even worth watching. Or worth. It was worth watching because you know why? Why else do you watch garbage? But to be a oh, distraction. I saw, some, <laughs> I saw some hot garbage last night. We watched a movie called uh, Spree, which I might be on Netflix. It was free, but it stars the guy that plays Steve on Stranger Things, and he's like a free driver he works like which is like an uber essentially and but he's also trying to be like an influencer and get a lot of followers and because he's like really bad at creating content and not getting followers he has like a spree and just fucking murders people um it was really bad it was like truly horrifying um it was like a two-star movie for sure but like I hated it and like Garrett loved it for a two-star movie. So if you like something that's like kind of trashy, you might be into it. It was not the kind of trash that worked for me, however. Although I do love the guy that plays Steve on Stranger Things and I hope to see him in more stuff because he's very good. I watched Princess Switch last night. Hell yeah. <laughs> How was it? It was a gem. Okay. <laughs> it's exactly what I needed. Nice. Aren't there three? I'm watching there? Princess Switch switched again tonight. <laughs> Ooh. Anywho. 
what a weird ne- Netflix Christmas movies. Aren't they all like prince related or princess related? Prince related, princess related. No tension. No te- like it just didn't have any villain. No tent. Like it was just yeah. I guess that's that's what we need. <laughs> Yeah. A, a oh, movie that surprised me was Happiest Season on Hulu with Kristen Stewart and uh, Dan Levy. I thought that was really cute. And it felt like a Hallmark cute. movie that had like a little something extra to say. I, I yeah, just Princess like Witch had no, nothing extra to say. <laughs> it, yeah. it was what you think it is. Um, there's just some, the only thing I don't like about Happiest Season is there's some like, uh, she's like gaslit through like most of the movie. Um, and treated pretty poorly by her partner, um, which was like very hard to watch, actually. I just like kept watching worse things happen to this woman. And I'm like, man, I hate Case Stew, but even she doesn't deserve this. (laughs) But yeah, Dan Levy is so good. And Aubrey Plaza is really amazing in it too. Yeah, there's like a very good cast behind that movie. So I want to see that movie that she's about to come out or Black Bear. Oh, that looks so good. pretty wild looks pretty interesting I've heard like pretty it's pretty weird but like a lot of people that I know who've seen it have liked it so yeah yeah I'm saving like maybe in like a couple weeks a week where I'll only watch like good movies <laughs> so I haven't That's watched a, good, a good movie in a very long time we spent most of our time watching binge watching Criminal Minds which Aubrey Plaza has like a big role in again she's in it a few times oh, uh, really? at the end of season 13 or season 12. Um, that was like a big moment. And in January, seasons 13, 14, and 15 are coming to Hulu. It's only one through 12 on Netflix. So January 1, we'll be able to finish all of Criminal Minds. Wow. Ooh, any other final thoughts on films or do you want to start wrapping this up? Let's, uh, let's put a bow on it. Let's wrap it. Uh. I'll wrap it. Um, Christmas is on a Friday this year. 2020 gives us so many blessings, like Christmas on a Friday, right? Um, I mean, time doesn't mean much, but... (laughs) Um, So we hope everybody has a safe and uh, wonderful holiday season. I hope you watch some good movies, maybe some of the ones we recommended. Um, Keep an eye out for Butter With That in 2021. We got some fun ideas planned in the first couple of months of the year. We can't wait to record again and start putting stuff out there for you guys to listen and to watch more movies. We'll have a wonderful holiday season, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. See ya.